Hello, my name is Richard Metcalf, founder of X Quadrant. I coach some of the world's top executives and management teams, helping them achieve bigger and more meaningful results than ever before. In this season, I'm speaking with C-suite leaders from around the globe to find out what the COVID-19 pandemic has taught them and what wisdom they have to share for other leaders. Welcome to Leadership Lessons for Challenging Times. Today, I speak with Michel Emilianoff. Michel is a very experienced French CEO. He's led huge organizations in the past, and right now he is running a uh, healthcare uh, tech-driven uh, scale-up company. And um, he's really an expert in medical technology and so uh, has had to pivot his business very dramatically uh, during this COVID period of, of 2020. His existing customers have totally stopped buying future-focused um, healthcare tech products and really focused on the very urgent requirements of the pandemic. And so what you hear in this interview with, with Michelle is really a fascinating insight into what is going on at this intersection of medicine, technology, COVID and business and what business leaders need to think about. We get into the big challenges he's seeing um, as we move into this long period of just managing ongoing um, COVID um, issues, health issues, people being diagnosed, people being uh, testing and having to isolate, and the impact that has on the workplace. We get in into thinking about how business can safeguard employee health without destroying productivity. We get into how you can create levers to create a good environment for your employees in this context. So what can you do? How do you actually manage these very real disruptions to your business uh, and take care of your employees and keep them healthy? And then we take a step back and we think about what are the changes that we should be expecting in the coming years uh, as medical technology takes on a new role for businesses. So enjoy this uh, conversation uh, that I had with Michelle Emilianoff. Hi, Michelle. Good morning, Richard. Hi, good to see you. Same here. Um, well, hey, it's, it's great to have you here. Um, why don't we just dive straight in? And perhaps for people who don't know you or don't know VisioMed, if you can just give us one minute of kind of elevator pitch, right? Who are you and what does VisioMed do? Okay, well, I'm uh, Michelle Emilianoff and I'm the CEO of the VisioMed Group, which is a listed company focused on the healthcare domain and uh, more specifically uh, telemedicine. So what we do is we build solutions, telemedicine solutions for uh, healthcare professionals, for uh, mobility cases, as well as uh, fixed healthcare uh, points. Got it. So obviously you're right in the middle of, you know, in healthcare, right in the middle of it this year with, with COVID. And I know we've been chatting in the past, and I thought mm -hmm. it was really interesting what you were sharing uh, as uh, we have we moved, we moved from that initial kind of crisis mode, right, where everybody was just kind of trying to get through lockdown, the original lockdown, and now we're into this longer, more drawn out and quite challenging time, right, where energy mm -hmm. levels are down and people are struggling. And I think um, when I was talking with you, um, you've really seen very close up 
some of those challenges. So I'd just love to understand, Michelle, what are the big challenges that you're seeing businesses face now that we're kind of in this COVID world and it's continuing? Mm-hmm. What's the impact that you're seeing on, for, you know, for CEOs? I think the, the challenges are uh, twofold. There is a business challenge and there is a human challenge. Uh, from a business standpoint, clearly the, the challenge is how do we get back to operating as close as possible to normality while uh, not being normal at all uh, as yeah. we're facing a situation where at any moment we can have a case of a, uh, a colleague that is showing you know, symptoms and potentially has the, the, uh, yeah. the, uh, the COVID and we need to take actions, uh, sending people back home. Uh, pushing them to do a bunch of tests and so on and so forth. So the business challenge is, you know, uh, how, how am I going to impact the, how, how am I going to handle the impact on my capacity to operate? So how do I organize myself to cope with that uh, relatively uh, volatile situation? And the second one is the, the, the challenge of the responsibility of enterprises in France in particular where we have obligation of results in terms of health and not means, meaning mm. that you have to do everything in your power to guarantee that you're protecting your, your colleagues and your employees. So that's the business challenge. And the second one is the human challenge, which for me is even more important, uh, uh, which is that um, the current protocol that we're all following according to the guidelines of the government is, uh, is actually generating a lot of anxiety amongst the, uh, the, the people working within, within a company. Why that? Because it's one thing to say everybody's going to stay home so that we all get you know, protected from, from the COVID. It's a very different situation to say, okay, you guys, you've been in contact with that particular person who has eventually the COVID. So we're all going to send you back home and not mm. to protect you, but because we think potentially you've been, uh, uh, you've been uh, contaminated and we don't want you guys to contaminate the rest of us. And that's very difficult for people because it generates a lot of questions on how they will handle this with their family and relatives. Right. So what you're saying is in the the original lockdown, we were all staying at home uh, kind of to protect ourselves. But now what's happening is you've got suddenly people are told they need to leave, right, and go back for two weeks or whatever to their own homes. That's creating two impacts. And the business side operations are impacted. Suddenly you've not got that person, right, necessarily. On the other side, they've basically just been told that they're likely – a likely contaminating influence, right? They might have COVID, they don't see any symptoms, but now do they even stay in the same room as their family, right? Yeah. Do they yeah. visit their parents or grandparents? What do they do if they have small kids? What do they do if their spouse is, uh, is pregnant and about to, uh, to deliver? Uh, I mean, I've, I personally faced with, within the company these, uh, these questions. And, uh, mm. and I can tell you the level of anxiety that, uh, that people are showing is, uh, is extremely important. Even more when we look at the time it takes for them to get an answer to whether or not they have been contaminated. Because today, if you follow the protocol for the PCR test, first off, you need to, work with, you need to wait five days till the last day of the contact with the person that potentially was uh, contaminating you. 
to do the test. And then if you look at the reality today is you wait between five to 10 days to get the test results. So mm. that means during 14 days, you have no clue whether you have it or not. And you have to try to cope with that situation and, and try to find a solution to protect your relatives. Yeah. Yeah. It's that's hard, right? So how do you, what's been your guidelines, right? Or your playbook as you try to wrestle with this situation? I mean, there's really these two sides you mentioned, right? There's operations um, and responsibility, and then there's the kind of uh, personal side. Um, let's start perhaps with oper you know, operations, right? How do you juggle um, safeguarding employee health on one hand with productivity on the other, right? What have been the issues that you've seen and how have you tried to find a way through in this time? I think the the most important thing is to try to, as fast as possible, identify who are the individuals that are potentially at risk and effectively make sure that they're taking the right steps to you know, either be treated or you know, be, be, be put somewhere where they can't contaminate anybody else uh, and make sure that the ones that, have, that are not showing any problems can continue to live their lives relatively normally and, and work relatively normally. And there is a big debate in, in, in France uh, today, but the reality is you have plenty of rapid tests that exist. Uh, to uh, the ones that are rapid PCR, if, uh, if you may, that are enabling you to detect early contamination within 10 minutes, they're not as precise as the PCR that we know where you have to mm -hmm. go to a lab, but they give you a pretty good indication. And then you have blood tests also that you can use rather later in the cycle of COVID to try to figure out whether people have generated the antibodies allowing to manage the comeback of people. Right. So what we have done and, and what we are encouraging other companies to do is to proactively you know, use these rapid tests that can be done in a pharmacy or can be done by your nurse so that mm. within 10 minutes you get a picture. You get a picture okay. of who is positive and you need to confirm that with the real PCR and it's going to take some time, but you need to be quarantined and who is not positive. And in that case, no panic, no anxiety. Let's continue to work properly with all the protections mm. that are obviously necessary within, within the enterprise. Mm. So for me, the big thing is how do you, um, how do you make this, this uh, anxiety and, and not knowing go away mm. as fast as possible using those rapid tests and then you take the right measures mm. stay at home if you if there is a risk uh continue to work whether remotely or in the office depending upon the operating model that you have decided mm. to uh, to implement if effectively there is no problem yeah i got it so yeah it's really trying to get data right as quickly as possible even if it's not the most reliable data it's having it's getting the you know, whatever 80 20 rule right gonna get enough data to be able to um yep. make make the best decision that we can at that stage right rather than kind of going into this limbo and not deciding for a long period of time right which and we've seen we've seen the protocol from the government evolve. If you go back, uh, you know, four weeks ago, it was uh, PCR Uber Alice. There is only one test mm. that exists in the world and that we trust. Now today, they are accepting the other tests that have been in use uh, uh, by some of our uh, neighbors uh, in Germany, mm. for example, and where clearly they are managing the situation 
better than we're doing. So I think it is time, you know, that we accept that those tools are, uh, are available. They're good enough to be uh, able to make decisions and put CEOs in a position where effectively, you know, they can show that they've done everything possible to maximize the, the safety of, uh, of their employees and the health of their employees. Yeah, absolutely. So, Michelle, what about um, a CEO um, of VisioMed? When you look at the when you look at the employees, right, and what they're doing, how are you creating that productive environment that you talked about, right? What um, what have been the issues that you've had to work through there, right? Because everything's changed, right? The way we've had to work and working from home, coming back into the office, you know, what are the challenges in that? And what have you, some of the tip the approaches that you've used? So I think we, uh, <clears throat> we faced a particular situation because we made a decision that used to, well, we considered it, it was a smart decision in February, which was to, uh, to move the, the company from, from one location to the other. And that move was planned uh, mid-May. Okay, so you, did a, uh, you did a, so you did a physical office move right in the middle of lockdown. Absolutely. So which it's, happened to, to be a, a disaster because obviously nothing was normal and we couldn't move forward with, uh, with, uh, with all the prep work and so on and so forth. So we ended up uh, not having an office between mm -hmm. uh, literally uh, mid-May till uh, mid-July. And that okay. on top of the confinements that was imposed to, uh, to, uh, to everyone. So we had, you know, literally, literally five months of lockdown and people working from home. And we have seen that uh, for our company, uh, that was creating a lot of problems. Mm -hmm. Problems because some jobs just can't be done from home. Uh, others can be done from home, but when you are within a relatively small company where you need a lot of collaboration, interaction in real time because, because things are moving extremely rapidly, not being able to be in the same physical room to do some whiteboarding exercise is, is quite difficult. And I understand there are a lot of tools that exist today where we can use that, but it's, it's not the same. It impacts the efficiency. And, and then finally, and that was something that I, I had not necessarily realized at the beginning, but literally 50% of the employees that we have uh, can't work from home under good conditions. And these people really suffered during that period of five months, having to work from a place which is you know, not meant to be an office mm. with kids running around or, you know, old parents and so on and so forth, not having the ability to have a room, a quiet room where they can actually go and, and, uh, and work. So clearly we have, uh, we've decided as soon as we could to change the model and bring as much as possible people back into the office with you know, all the measures to protect themselves, uh, mm -hmm. masks, obviously gels and so on and so forth and, and distances between, uh, between the different uh, uh, workspaces. The proactive testing as well that we have implemented. So, you know, each time we have a doubt, you know, we do that with the rapid test that allows us to, to react pretty quickly and not have people go into, uh, into panic mode. Mm -hmm. So there is, you know, there is no one size fits all as far as the operating uh, model is, is concerned. 
there is a you know there are a lot of uh, different elements to be taken into account and mm -hmm. the one that really needs to be paid attention to is under what conditions can people really work from home mm. is that feasible is that acceptable for yeah. them or is it very difficult i think it's a great point because you know the um the lived experience of a leader the ceo might, might not at all be the lived experience of their employees right and as you said either because well obviously perhaps different social levels income levels uh, accommodation even just where they live right i mean you know, you've perhaps got employees in a relatively narrow geographic area, but obviously some people have got company employees around the world and who knows, right, what the lived experience is if somebody two levels down in the organization in some other country, right? It can be so different. Mm -hmm. And it's easy to imagine, well, I get to work from home and I've got my huge monitor and quiet space and headset or whatever it is. Not everybody has that and it can be extremely difficult. And yep. uh, some people are isolated, some people are overcrowded. It, it's very different for people. Yeah. I can tell you we had a couple of people going into a depression uh, during that mm -hmm. period because yeah, it was sure. very, very difficult for them. Yeah. And so, Michelle, how have you had to show up as a leader, right? What's been that learning edge for you, that growth edge in this? You know, who have you had to be in this time to balance the company and lead your employees? Um, I think for us, it was a very, uh, it was a very challenging time um, uh, on, on two fronts. One, uh, literally, and I think this was probably the same for, for most of the companies, but our okay. business stopped, literally stopped. We were selling telemedicine solutions to uh, healthcare professionals. And literally these guys uh, went into the plan blanc and you know, everything that was outside of the ordinary uh, wasn't really mm. a topic of, you know, for discussion. Right. reviewing revisiting the way they work and so on and so forth to improve processes uh, was not a priority and really what they wanted were masks gels and whatever other protection equipment yeah. so literally the business stopped and we had to uh, react very very quickly to try to continue to have some level of activity to uh, to you know pay the salaries of uh, of our employees the good news is being in that healthcare sector with a lot of uh, suppliers in that domain, we were able to source the type of equipment that healthcare professionals uh, wanted. Uh, but we had to adapt and I had to adapt to a business that was completely different than our core business and try to manage uh, on a you know, uh, real-time basis, reinventing a distribution business or retail business if you if you wish that for which we had absolutely zero process and zero structure to to handle and do that with people working uh, remotely in the very difficult environment that uh, mm -hmm. uh, that uh, that we face so it was a lot of um, uh, a lot of time communicating uh, again and again with uh, with the different individuals, uh, making sure that we were in contact almost all the time because of mm -hmm. all those very quick decisions that we needed to uh, we needed to make. 
So very different way of, uh, of working for me, very different way of trying to inject energy. Not that easy to inject energy remotely, to be honest with you. Yeah. Uh, especially when people are you know, facing a situation for which they're not accustomed, for which there is not a you know, process that they know and they master. Really? So that was, that was kind of the challenge for me. Mm. Yeah, that's um, yeah, amazing, right? You had to totally build a new line of products in the middle of that in that situation um which is which is yeah incredible i mean what what would what would your you know if you could write yourself a note you know like um get back in time and tell your past self you know like some a lesson some lessons for this period like what would you tell them right what would you how would you kind of pre-warn them or what would you encourage them to do perhaps differently uh, or pay more attention to if you're having to do it again um, I would really uh, try to pay attention to the accommodations that people live in and whether they are fit for homeworking or not. Because even if it's for two weeks or three weeks, if it's, if it's impossible for these people and it's going to put them at a lot, under a lot of stress because they just can't be on the phone with five kids running around, there is no point of having them continue to work. Hmm. And I would, you know, I would have probably made some different decisions and, uh, and asked some people to stop working as opposed to try to continue in that very difficult uh, environment. So try to, you know, proactively identify these, uh, uh, hmm. these individuals that are going to be facing difficulties and hmm. say, okay, don't work. Uh, the second one was, um, you know, uh, try to redefine the rules of the games and the rules of engagement um, uh, more proactively as well. I mean, the rules of engagement uh, between the, uh, the team workers, because we had to reinvent everything, uh, which means a lot of frustration for a lot of people. So you have to be super careful in the way you communicate to one another, because mm -hmm. everybody is under a lot of stress. Everybody's under a lot of frustration. Uh, and if you don't pay attention, you can create a lot of tension between, uh, between individuals. Mm -hmm. So try to you know, reset the rules of communications, the rules of engagement, and try to make sure everybody's super careful in the way they, uh, they communicate. Yeah, that's a great point, right? When everything shifts, you need to re, um, come up with new rules, right? And yeah, and, and new framework in which to operate because communication is not the same uh, and pressures are not the same. So I think that's a great point. Um, hey, Michelle, um, I know time's moving on, um, but I can't let you go without just asking for your perspectives right on the future, because um, uh, Visiomed, you know, your telemedicine um, technology, you know, uh, healthcare technology, uh, I know COVID's kind of taken everybody by surprise and like a big focus this year, obviously, and it's keeping going. But if you look more broadly, um, what are the shifts that are going on? that you know business leaders everybody right should be knowing about i mean what are you seeing as the big shifts in healthcare right that are going to be structural for people in the next couple yeah. of years well you know i think pre-covid um it was uh, pretty obvious i mean we were all having these issues in france with uh, people the doctors in the er's complaining about the volume of people and so on and so forth so globally there is an issue of not enough uh, healthcare professionals available and available where patients are located. Mm. Uh, 
that was obvious pre-COVID, but has been super obvious during, during COVID, which has emphasized the, uh, the problem. Uh, I think what it has showed as well is a couple of interesting things. It has shown that you can do things remotely uh, and you know, every doctor has started to do uh, teleconsultation uh, using you know, uh, Skype or other means because they didn't have another option and uh, they had to realize that effectively it is possible to have a conversation yeah. with a patient and cover a certain set of, of pathologies uh, remotely. It has also shown that the vast majority of the problems you can't really handle if they're not uh, measures of certain parameters or ability to, uh, um, uh, to look at certain parts of the body of the person that, uh, that you're trying to, to consult. Uh, and that effectively, when you can combine this um, ability to you know, uh, access remotely to a doctor with a minimum number of measures of critical medical data, you can actually cover 80% of the pathologies that, uh, that we see. Uh, mm. the, one, the other ones needs to go to, uh, to, uh, to emergency care. So I think the net is that uh, I think this crisis has shown that effectively uh, leveraging uh, connected medical devices combined with you know teleconsultation platforms, you can actually you know, heavily contribute to uh, to address the issue of access to healthcare in uh, in countries like uh, like France. And so what I'm expecting in the years to come is that we're going to see the adoption of that type of technology, whether in mobility cases, i.e. emergency care, firefighters, and so on and so forth, but also in, uh, in home care with nurses visiting patients who will have the ability to connect to a doctor that is remote to do a consultation with a patient without having to move the patient. Um, you'll have also, I think, the, the development of healthcare uh, or point of care that are fixed location closer to companies, uh, in particular in areas where uh, we, uh, I mean, the companies do not have any healthcare professionals. You know that in France, below 500 employees within a site, you're, you don't have to have a, a nurse or a healthcare professional. So the vast majority of sites do not have anyone no. to take care of the people. And you will see in the future the deployment of those point of care in those areas that will offer a uh, solution of, of proximity to employees mm -hmm. to go and consult without having to take days off uh, because mm -hmm. you know they need to make an appointment with uh, uh, with their with a doctor. So uh, yeah. my expectation is to see a lot of those solutions being deployed that will uh, allow people not to have to wait multiple days to get an appointment to uh, to a doctor. And, uh, and be able to access these resources relatively easily. Yeah, that's great. So I think often we, yeah, we think about the um, communications aspect, right, of teleconsultations. But I think your point is that there's, yeah, there's the communications platform and then there's the data platform, right? There's making sure you have both that come together at that moment so that the physician has got something to go off, right? Rather than just the, the, the screen, which is, is clear, right? And, and it's important, but bringing those two together hasn't really it's happened. It's critical. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Perfect. Well, great. Well, Michelle, it's been great speaking with you. Uh, if people are interested in knowing a bit more about you, about Vizio Med, where do they go? 
uh, they can go at uh, uh, visiomed.fr, uh, which is our uh, website, or uh, they can uh, also uh, send me an email at uh, memelianov, M-E-M-E-L-I-A-N-O-F-F, at visiomedlab.fr. Perfect. Well, I'll put that in the, in the show notes. Um, uh, Michelle, it's been great speaking to you. Thank you for sharing a little bit of your insider track uh, on, on what's really going on, uh, managing employees and managing a business as COVID drags on. So it's been great to uh, speak with you today. was my pleasure. Thank you so much, Richard. Have a good one. Many thanks. Bye now. Bye-bye. I hope you enjoyed this conversation. Now let's turn to you. If you're a top performer, who's already accomplished great things and yet knows that there's a whole new level of impact and potential open to you, then why don't we get on the phone and strategize on how to get you there? Head over to xquadrant.com forward slash speak to find out more. Until next time, be bold and be purposeful.